Shalom and welcome to this very special edition of It's All About the Aliyah. This episode is special because we're going to visit the Sea of Galilee today with our special guest, Michael Utterback. Michael is a dear, dear friend and the founder and director of Ministry to Israel. As Michael likes to put it, Ministry to Israel and Ezra International are two hands of the same ministry. But before we go to Michael, I want to bring some historical context to what we're about to hear and in the process address a question that may be or maybe it's not on your mind, but it's a good question. This program is appropriately named It's All About the Aliyah because that's what Ezra International's primary mission and focus is. But I imagine somewhere along the way, someone said, wait a minute, isn't it all about Jesus? And I think that's a fair question, and I would not disagree with that. But hear me out on this for a minute. I submit to you that Yeshua, or Jesus, would not have been born if not for the process of Aliyah. Allow me to explain. To bring the Messiah to the earth, God needed a man. He chose Abraham. God needed a people, Abraham's descendants through Isaac and Jacob, who became Israel. Now, God needed a place to carry out his plan and of, of the plan of world redemption. We know that land, that land to be Eretz Israel, the land of Israel. Thus, when Abraham made his way to the land of Canaan, and in particular, the land Elan Moray, he made the world's first Aliyah. After Israel's enslavement in Egypt, the first wave of Aliyah occurs when Joshua enters the land with his army and establishes the first commonwealth of Israel. Now, following the exile, another wave, the exile to Babylon, another wave of Aliyah occurs. That's the first regathering of the Jewish people back to the land. Now, only to fall prey to another conquering army. But however, about 160 years prior to Yeshua's birth, the Maccabees cleansed the temple. Why is that important? Well, let's read from Luke chapter 2 for a moment. And behold, there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was just and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel. And the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. So he came by the Spirit into the temple. And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to him, according to the custom of the Torah or the law, he took him up in his arms and blessed God and said, Lord, now you are letting your servant depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared before the face of all people, a light to bring revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. Now, I submit to you that there would not have been a temple for Yeshua to have been brought to if not for the faithful remnant of Jewish people that had returned to the land and fought against uh, assimilation and tyranny. Uh, this program may be uh, aired around the same time as, as uh, Hanukkah this year, and I think it's appropriate and important to understand the significance of that great event. And Jesus could not have been born to pagan parents. That's so important for us to understand. There's a very profound passage in Luke chapter 2, verse 51, that most people, I think, skim over or ignore. Every year around December, we read about the birth of Yeshua, Jesus. But we need to keep reading in that chapter. Now, we're all familiar with how uh, he, when Jesus became 12 years old, he went to Jerusalem with his parents 
as was his custom, their custom, because they were Torah observant, they were faithful Jewish people, and they went to keep the feast of Passover, Pesach. Uh, and he was 12 years old, so very, very likely was also going to celebrate his bar mitzvah then. Now, verse 51 comes after they find Jesus, who had been left behind. They thought he was with the group. The group. They go to find him, and they find him. He had been preaching or teaching in the temple. And verse 51 of Luke chapter 2 says, then he went down with them and became, and they came to Nazareth, and he was subject to them. But his mother kept all these things in her heart. Again, he could not, Yeshua could not have submitted to pagan parents. Thus, he, there had to be a people on the earth, in Israel, who followed the Torah, the instructions of his heavenly Father. So the Son of Man had to submit to authority in order to earn the right to have all authority on earth. And understand, we, he, had to, he had to be obedient in order to keep the commandment to honor thy mother and father, uh, to keep the Torah. So he had to have Torah-observant parents. Okay, so now let's talk about the significance of the Sea of Galilee as the place and backdrop for some of the most profound messages and amazing events recorded by the disciples. For example, the Sermon on the Mount. Yeshua walking on water or feeding the 5,000. But let's focus for a moment on the authority granted to and demonstrated by the Son of God while he spent time on and around the Sea of Galilee. I'm going to share from Matthew chapter 8, starting in verse 23. Now when he got into the boat, his disciples followed him, and suddenly a great tempest arose on the sea, so that the boat was covered with waves. But he was asleep. Then his disciples came to him and awoke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're perishing. But he said to them, Why are you fearful, O you of little faith? Then he arose and rebuked the winds and the sea, and there was a great calm. So the men marveled, saying, Who can this be that even the winds and the sea obey him? When they came to the other side of the country of the Gergesenes, there they met two demon-possessed men coming out of the tombs, exceedingly fierce so that no one could pass by. And suddenly they cried out, saying, What have we to do with you, Jesus, you Son of God? Have you come to torment us before the time? Now a good way off from them there was a herd of many swine feeding. So the demons begged him, saying, If you cast us out, permit us to go into the herd of swine. And he said to them, Go. So they went, they, so they had come out and they went into the herd of swine and suddenly the whole herd of swine ran violently down the steep place of the, into the sea and perished in the water. Then those who kept them fled and they went away into the city and told everything, including what that, what had happened to the demon possessed men. And behold, the whole city came out to meet Jesus. And when they saw him, they begged him to depart from their region. You see, at this point, the Gentiles had not could not appreciate who was in their presence. But the disciples, on the other hand, had been they'd been ordinary, hardworking men longing to serve God and didn't know how. And now they were beginning to see something extraordinary. The fact that God's authority can be demonstrated on the earth when one chooses to follow him. And follow him they did. We're going to pause right now for a quick commercial break, and we'll be right back. In the Ezra International community, stories of heroism are still being written today. You are making a difference in the lives of Jewish people all around the world. 
The Hanukkah story is an example of an ordinary family becoming extraordinary heroes. Over 2,000 years ago, a family who became known as the Maccabees liberated Jerusalem and purified the temple. Today, thousands of Jewish people are trapped by poverty and suffer persecution in nations known to be notoriously anti-Semitic. Ezra representatives work in these conditions every day. They are heroes, and so are you. Liberation from these countries is made possible only by your donations. Be a hero to the Jewish people today. Visit EzraInternational.org and make your best end-of-year financial gift. May the Holy One of Israel bless you abundantly now and in the year to come. Welcome back. You know, the work of the fishermen did not end with the death of the disciples. Let's go now to Michael Otterback on the Sea of Galilee and hear him tell it. I want to tell you a story about what happened here 2,000 years ago. This is an amazing place where we are at this very moment. You can see this beautiful water. We're on the Sea of Galilee. Uh, we're in the north. Uh, this is Capernaum. And Capernaum, 2,000 years ago, was a fishing village. And it's where Peter and, and Andrew, James and John, uh, they came here to fish in these waters that you're looking at right now. You know, sometimes when I'm here, I think back about what it must have been like when these guys were children because these very waters and even these rocks, they probably jumped off of these rocks and they swam around through here. And I can imagine they didn't really know what was gonna happen in their lives. I mean, their father was a fisherman, granddad was a fisherman, great-grandfather was a fisherman. So there, there's no doubt that in their minds, that's what they were gonna do for the rest of their lives. But something was happening in this country that had not happened for hundreds of years. There was a spiritual hunger taking place all across this land, and there was a man by the name of John. They call him John the Baptist, of course. And he was many miles down south of this, this lake, and he was preaching the gospel. And the Spirit of the Lord and the anointing of God and the conviction of the Lord had spread all over this country, and it had even reached this place right here. And even though these guys were fishermen, as they grew up, there was this hunger inside them that they wanted to know more about God. And a couple of them actually went down and became disciples of, of John. And uh, so there was a day when Jesus came along and, and uh, John baptized him in, in water and pointed to him, John pointed to him and said, this is the Lamb of God which takes away the sins of the world. And these two apostles, or back then disciples of John, uh, saw that and they saw him. And they started following him. And he turned around, looked at him, said, where are you going? What do you want? And uh, they said, Lord, where are you going? And basically, they were saying, who are you? They knew there was something about this man. So they followed him. 
Andrew was one of them, actually, uh, who had grown up in these waters, and, and as he was a, a, a young man, a teenager, that spiritual hunger was in him. So he went down. He came back and found his brother, Peter. He said, I've found the Messiah. So Peter went down, met Jesus, and they had this interaction, and, uh, and then they left one another. And Peter and Andrew came back up here. They went back to fishing with their father. And, a, and a, I don't know if it was a few weeks, I don't know if it was a month, but Jesus came here walking along these shores and saw these two guys that he had known before. And he told them, he said, I know you're fishermen, but I want you to follow me and I'm gonna make you fishers of men. Well, the analogy stuck, they knew about fishing, but uh, they didn't really understand the fishing of men, but they knew who he was. And they got out of their boats and they followed him. And then Jesus started bringing his disciples together. And for three and a half years, those men were able to follow Jesus all across this land, learning how to be fishers of men. So Jesus dies, he's resurrected. And in Acts chapter one, there's a very interesting dialogue that takes place. And I think many of us, even when we read this sometimes, we forget that Jesus was actually in his resurrected body when he came back and he was talking to these same men who had swam here, fished here, and they were in Jerusalem. And he began to talk to them. He said, okay, I've taught you three and a half years. Now it's time for you guys to go out and minister this gospel. I want you to preach here in Jerusalem. I want you to go to Judea, all that's Jewish. And then he said, go to Samaria. And then he said, you're going to go to the uttermost parts of the earth, to the other nations of the earth. You know, for us to read that, we just go skipping right by it. But the realities are that that was a new concept. It was a paradigm shift for the Jews. They, they had no concept of going to the nations to preach the gospel. In fact, they didn't want to. And if, if they were readers of their Bible, the Old Testament actually told them that they were to be separated from these nations. And yet here Jesus is coming, telling them, you've got to go to the nations of the earth, be fishermen to the nations of the earth and bring them in to the Father. Okay, so there was a, a tension. I mean, when you read the book of Acts, it, it's that whole story of the tension of the Jews being told by the Lord that they had to go take this message to the nations of the earth. Then Paul comes along and he's out there preaching and we call them the missionary journeys. Basically, he was just a Jewish guy out there telling the story of Jesus. People were coming to know the Lord and, and it was an amazing experience of how the church grew in those days. Here we are. 2,000 years later. And of course now we have the church that spread all over the world. Those guys did a good job. These little boys that swam here that became teenagers that heard John, that saw Jesus, that were called to go out into the world. They did a good job because you're here right now. You know who he is. And it was all because these Jews did that. But here we are and there's something going on on our planet right now that is in a sense parallel to what took place in those days. God is actually speaking to the nations of the earth. He's not talking to the Jews now. He's going to the nations of the earth. And he's telling them, I want you guys to follow me and I'm gonna make you fishers, fishers of the Jewish people. That's an interesting concept. And whenever you say that to a lot of people, they scratch their heads just like these guys did when they said, Lord, you want us to go where? We, we, you want us to go to the nations? And it's like, no, we're, we're Jews. We are not supposed to do that. And he said, trust me, this is the mind of the Spirit. It's what the Holy Spirit wants us to do. Now, we're having the same problem. The Spirit of God is going to the nations of the earth and he's saying, I want you to help me bring my Jewish people home. 
I want to bring them back to myself. It's time that, uh, that they come back from all over the earth. And he, there's a scripture in Jeremiah that's, that's amazing. And it says this. It says, Therefore the days are coming, says, says the Lord. You will no longer say, The Lord lives who brought the children of Israel from the land of Egypt. Think about that just for a second. Every year we celebrate Passover and the miracles that God did. But he goes on to say, But you will say, The Lord lives who brought the children of Israel out of the north country and out of all the lands where he had scattered them. And he says, I will bring them back into their own land that I gave to their fathers. And listen to this. Behold, I am sending for many fishermen, declares the Lord. They shall catch them. And afterwards I will send for the hunters and so on. It goes on. The analogy here of Jesus calling these Jewish men to take the gospel to the nations of the earth is now being replicated in our lifetime among spiritual people who are very hungry to do what God wants to do. Forty years ago, the Spirit of God began moving upon the body of Christ. And the Spirit began calling fishermen to get involved in helping rescue the Jews and bring them back from around the world. I was involved in that back in the, the 80s. The Lord began dealing with me. The, the people that uh, uh, I, I work with, my colleagues, every one of them today have heard that voice, fish for my Jewish people. We've got fishermen from Russia. We've got them from Ukraine. They're from South America. They speak Spanish. They speak uh, English. They speak Russian. They speak Ukrainian. Every kind of language that you can think of where the Jews have been scattered, they're using that language to woo and to help bring the Jewish people back to the land of Israel. In the last 30 years, we've seen our work actually bring over 180,000 Jewish people back to this land. Why? Because God is wanting to have a relationship with them. These guys heard, bring the, the nations in. Why? Because God wanted to have a relationship with the nations. And now in these days and in this time, we are watching the Spirit of God take his precious Jews that have been scattered all over the earth like he promised and bring them back to his land. And he's inviting us to get involved. Now I know some of you listening to this, you're saying to yourself, I don't understand all of this. Neither did these guys. These fishermen didn't understand what God had in mind. But look what's happened because they were obedient to the Spirit of God. Today, the Holy Spirit is talking to you. He's talking to me. Get involved in helping my people home. You don't have to understand it. You just need to obey. You don't have to have it all written down and all the scriptures are there. You just need to know that it's the Spirit of God doing that. Then others might say, well, it's so practical. Israel, just like all the other nations of the earth. And, you know, uh, so what's so important about, about them? Well, I understand that because we see the practicalities of this land. The Jews are just like everybody else. But prophecy is always fulfilled in practical ways. Always. You won't find a scripture in this Bible, a prophetic word, that is being fulfilled unless it is done in a practical way. You know, when I first got involved in helping the Jewish people home, I remember the first time I ever went to uh, help somebody get on a bus and put them on an airplane and bring them here. And I remember flying over to the Ukraine is where I went. And I was so excited and I was thinking about these princes and these princesses, you know, these chosen people of God that were just, you know, beautiful. I had them on a pedestal. And uh, so we got out of this Lada that I was in. It's an old Russian car. And here came these old 
cars up and they were almost with you know square wheels and they were bouncing along and the doors opened up and there were these old bagushas and there were old men and, and you know dirty faced children and I remember thinking these are the chosen people of God I didn't say that loud but I really thought that it's because I had something in mind that was different it was it was it was more supernatural than natural in my mind and now all these years later I understand it these are precious people he knows their spirit and that's how God sees us he sees us from a spiritual perspective this is a spiritual work and he's gathering the Jews back into this land so that he can make them princes and princesses just like the Bible says. So I want to encourage you today, get involved in this. I mean, if the Spirit of God is speaking to your heart right now, get involved. Do something to help the Jewish people come home. And who knows, maybe a couple thousand years later, we'll all be together and you'll think back at what you did and, uh, and what the Lord did because you were obedient to him. So God bless you from the Sea of Galilee from Capernaum, where the fishermen became real fishermen. Jewish people today, and their return to Israel brings glory and honor to His name. After centuries of exile among the nations, the descendants of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can see their God keeping His word to them. Do not fear, O Jacob, my servant. Do not be dismayed, O Israel. I will surely save you out of a distant place your descendants from the land of their exile. Isaiah 46, 27. Ezra International takes seriously God's calling to the Gentiles and provides humanitarian aid as he orchestrates the modern-day exodus foretold thousands of years ago by the prophet Isaiah. The Lord is bringing the Jewish people home to Israel today. He beckons to those willing from among the Gentiles, Christians who seek to be in agreement with God's will for the good of the Jewish nation, to carry them on their shoulders to the promised land. God is at the center of it all, and He is reaching out to the four corners of the earth. He is regathering His people back to Israel, and you can help provide a light to show the way home. Visit EzraInternational.org and give your gift of hope today. Okay, welcome back. As you can see, Jeremiah intentionally used imagery of the fishermen because he divinely knew that one day there would be a people who would recognize the imagery and know what to do. Every one of our fishermen in the field, and that's what we call them, they're in all the countries that they work in, are true disciples of Yeshua from Nazareth. They understand that in serving Yeshua's brethren, they are emulating him and walking in the authority that he gave him. Romans 15.8 says, Now I say that Jesus Christ has become a servant to the circumcision for the truth of God to confirm the promises made to the fathers. 
Our fishermen in the field are truly humble servants to the Jewish people, and, and, and they're helping them in every way. So often we hear that you are the first Christians ever to show us kindness. And we're also, we're also first and many times to let them know that they have the right to return to Israel. And I mean, we're literally reminding them of the promises that, that God made to their fathers, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. You know, there's a great summary of this promise in Psalm 105, verses 6 through 11. Let me share it with you. O seed of Abraham, his servant, you children of Jacob, his chosen ones. He is the Lord our God. His judgments are in all the earth. He remembers his covenant forever. The word which he commanded for a thousand generations, the covenant that he made with Abraham, his oath to Isaac, and confirmed it to Jacob for an everlasting statute, or for a statute to Israel as an everlasting covenant, saying to you, I will give you the land of Canaan as an allotment of your inheritance. So why do we fish them? I'll give you three great reasons. One, we're called to. Isaiah 49, 22. The call goes out to the nations that you will carry my sons in your arms, my daughters on your shoulders. Number two, because God's name is sanctified in their return. And I'm going to share that passage with you in just a moment. And three, because it's for their own good, for the Jewish people's own good. Ezekiel 36, starting in verse 20, says this. When they came to the nations, wherever they went, they profaned my holy name. When they said of them, these are the people of the Lord, and yet they have gone out of this, his land. You see, the nations are mocking. These are the people of the Lord. How come he can't keep his promise, basically, is what they're saying. But it goes on, verse 21. But I had concern for my holy name, which the house of Israel had profaned among the nations wherever they went. Therefore, say to the house of Israel, thus says the Lord God, I do not do this for your sake, O house of Israel, but for my holy name's sake, which you have profaned among the nations wherever you went. And I will sanctify my great name, which has been profaned among the nations, which you have profaned in their midst, and the nations shall know that I am the Lord, says the Lord God, when I am hallowed in you before their eyes. For I will take you from among the nations, gather you out of the countries, and bring you into your own land. Then I will sprinkle water on you, and you shall be clean. I will cleanse you from all your filthiness and from all your idols. I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit within you. I will take the heart of stone out of your flesh and give you a heart of flesh. I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes, and you will keep my judgments and do them. Then you shall dwell in the land that I gave to your fathers. You shall be my people, and I will be your God. You see, this is where you can partner with us and do the same. Help them get to the land, sanctify God's holy name, and I'll, I'll permit them to, to fulfill their destiny in the land as God reveals himself to them. God bless you. Shalom. I'll see you next time.